Well, good morning and welcome to Cross Point. Whether you're here in Sioux Falls or somewhere out there in cyberspace, and or whether you're a regular attender here at Cross Point or whether this is your first visit, I want to thank you for taking the time to come online and worship with us this morning. It seems to me that, well, you would understand the same situation based on what we're hearing in the news. It seems to me that we're closer to that point where we can gather together on Sunday mornings. We're closer now than we were seven weeks ago, but we still don't know a definite answer. So until we have those answers, we'll continue to worship like this. But I need to tell you, um, I miss, I really do miss getting together on Sunday mornings. I miss worshiping together. I miss our Sunday school class. I miss our prayer time. I miss the worship time. I, I miss standing out here in the lobby greeting you when you come in on Sunday morning. And I miss hearing you tell me what you were doing last week and what your plans are for next week. Um, I am anxious for the time when the church can come together again on Sunday morning. It's a good reminder to all of us, at least it's a reminder to me, that the church is not a building. The church never was a building. The church is a group of people who love Jesus and come together on a, and worship Him on different times throughout the week. But until we can get back together on Sunday morning, uh, in most of our lives we would say that there's definitely something missing. It says in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's difficult to spur one another on. And it's difficult to be an encouragement to other people when we can't be together. And as I continue to say week after week, just because there are 50,000 or more churches across the country who are in the same situation we're in, it doesn't make it any easier for any of us. But we will, we will continue to respect the authority and we will go by their guidelines and we will do our best in the midst of all of this to remain faithful in our walk with Jesus. That's what's most important here. Just because we can't come together on Sunday morning doesn't mean we put our relationship with Jesus on hold. We should all be endeavoring and pursuing that that wonderful relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Uh, we are now approaching, if, if I've got my statistics correct, we are now approaching 4 million people from around the world, 4 million, who have been diagnosed with the coronavirus. And there are approximately 250,000 people from around the world who have died. This, it continues to spread in, into more and more cities and communities, it's, it's already in most countries in the world, and we are in an unbelievable situation compared to where we were just seven weeks ago. But last week, the great big world, with all those great big numbers, I have to tell you, it got much smaller for Sharon and I when we received word that a dear friend of ours had died from corona. And uh, it was just a reminder to us that this is, this is for real. 
And if you haven't experienced that yet, where you've had a close family member or a close friend die from this virus, it, it changes your perspective on this. Instead of complaining that we're home locked in our house and we can't get out and the, nobody wants us to do anything, it's now we know firsthand there's a family that's dear to our hearts that's grieving the loss of their dad and grandpa. So we need to continue praying for things like that. So this morning, even in the midst of all that, even in the midst of these millions of people who have been diagnosed, and even in the midst of these hundreds of thousands of people who have died, we need to continue reminding ourselves that God is still in absolute control. He is in absolute control of everything that has ever happened. He's in absolute control of everything that's happening at this moment, and he will continue to be in absolute control each and every moment of the future. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Isaiah 46.10. It's a great reminder to us, another one of many great verses in Scripture, Isaiah 46.10, written about 2,700 years ago. That's 2,700 years ago, written about 700 years before Jesus came as the Messiah. This is God's word to the prophet Isaiah. I make known the end from the beginning. Let me just think about that. I make known the, the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Let me read that again. I make known the end from the beginning. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Now, in one of my commentaries, I discovered this is what it says about Isaiah 46.10. God insists he uniquely is God and puts forth as evidence for his sovereignty, his ability to predict the future and achieve his purposes. That's just one of the attributes of this God who loves us and the God that we love and serve. No, none of us, none of us know. We don't know why or what or when or where or how God will use the coronavirus for his purposes, but we do know this. God is faithful, and he loves his people, and he is in absolute control of everything that's happening. And what I believe, I believe that what God wants from us at this moment is for us to continue being fully devoted followers of his son, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to another passage. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Let me give you just a little bit of background. 2 Timothy 2.2 2 is written, uh, the year would be either 67 or 68 A.D. It's written by the Apostle Paul to a young pastor named Timothy. Timothy is now in his first church, and he's the pastor in the city of Ephesus, which in, in our modern day time would be somewhere in the country of Turkey. I can only imagine some of the things going through young Timothy's mind as he's now in Ephesus and he's the pastor. And he's no doubt anxious and nervous about the situation and he's trying to figure out in his own mind what are the things that are most important for me to do and what are those things that, yes, I still need to be responsible for doing them, but those secondary things are still secondary things. I need to focus on what's most important 
But he's scratching his head and he's wondering, now what are these things that are most important that I need to be concerned about right now? And that's the message that Paul's giving young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And here's what it says. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people. Now, if you're following along in your Bibles, I can tell you there's three or four different words right here. Uh, some translations, instead of the word reliable, use the word faithful. Some translations, instead of the word reliable, use the word trustworthy. But in our minds, we can understand the kind of person that the Apostle Paul is talking about. A reliable person, a trustworthy person, a faithful person. Paul is saying to young Timothy, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul wanted Timothy to understand, and I'm convinced God wants us to understand as well, that one of the best things, one of the greatest things we can do with our life is to invest our life in the lives of other people, teaching and training them how to grow from being baby Christians, how to grow into fully developed and mature followers of Jesus. Now, Let's understand this. Nobody starts out as a fully devoted follower of Jesus. When we put our faith in Jesus, we're all baby Christians. But that growth doesn't just automatically happen. It's different than human growth. We do nothing. Mom and dad feed us from the time we're little babies and we all grow. But our walk with Jesus is different. When we repent of our sin and put our faith in Jesus, and we come to that point in our life where we believe He is the Messiah, He's the Savior of the world, and we ask God to forgive us of our sin, and we put our faith in Jesus, in the blink of an eye, we become a baby Christian. But from that moment on, the growth will be determined on us. How long are we going to be committed in doing these spiritual disciplines that will help us to grow and become a fully devoted follower of Jesus? The Apostle Paul wants young Timothy to understand that that is his primary responsibility helping people to grow in their relationship with Jesus. But there's a problem. We can't teach what we don't know. We can't teach someone how to be a faithful, reliable, trustworthy follower of Jesus. We can't teach anybody how to do that until we become faithful, reliable, and trustworthy followers of Jesus. Think of it like this. I can't teach you how to shoot pheasants until I figure out how to shoot pheasants myself. I can't teach you how to change the oil in your car until I figure out how to change the oil in my car. We can't teach what we don't know. But years ago, when I began to become, when I, when I began to become what I call a fully devoted follower of Jesus, I began to develop habits in my life that I didn't have before. And now I understand those are the things that I need to teach other people. I help them to understand and to walk with Jesus in a closer, more mature way than they've ever been before. And even though, and I'll be the first to admit, I am far from perfect. You could ask Sharon, I am far from perfect. You could ask my kids and my grandkids, am I, I am far from perfect. I've got as many quirks as any of you do, but I now 
have an idea and I understand what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Now this morning, we're here in our, we're here in our seventh week. Our seventh week of not being allowed to have church. I, I can't even imagine that we've been doing this. For, for some people, the, the time has gone fast. For other people, the time has gone slow. But everyone, everyone, whether you think this time has gone fast or you think this time has gone slow, everyone seems to believe that the world ahead of us and the way we live is going to be different than the way we used to live. Things are changing. And most people who are now stuck at home, most people, once you start talking with each other, we all seem to agree that now that we've got all those odds and ends done at home, those things that we didn't have time to do before, we've got all that stuff done. And now, well, now we have nowhere to go and we don't have much to do. So I want you to think about this. And that's where we're going to focus this morning. I want you to think about this. What would be the best way for you or me? What would be the best way for you to use this, let's just call it extra time. Now that we've got all those other odds and ends done and we've got nowhere to go and nothing to do, what would be the best way for you to use that time? And here's my question. Now that we have this, this extra time, are we going to waste it? Are we going to waste it just doing things that don't even matter? Or are, we, or are we going to use this extra time to do things that matter for eternity? Because here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want to get 10 years down the road and look back and wish I had done something different now. I want God to help me decide what are the important things that I need to do with this extra time that he's now given me. So, before we go any farther, let's just take a minute and let's pray. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have allowed us together this morning. Not together, but you've allowed your church to gather online and so Lord for the moment this becomes our church even though we're scattered and separated from each other. God this morning we ask that you would continue to walk with us even when we can't be together that you'd remind us to pray for each other even when we can't be together. You'd remind us to text each other and call each other and send little notes as a way of encouragement even when we can't be together. This morning God we ask that you would forgive us of our sin and cleanse our hearts, that you'd forgive us for the many ways that we continue to worship ourselves instead of worshiping you. That you'd forgive us, God, of, of this habit we develop of being so quick to point out the sin in somebody else's life while we're so slow, many of us are so slow to repent and confess the sin we have in our own life. And God, we ask that through this craziness that we call the coronavirus, we ask that each of us would be drawn into a closer relationship with you. God, I ask that you'd continue to do your work in the life of each person who calls Crosspoint their home. 
I ask, God, that you'd heal the sick, that you'd meet the needs of those who are struggling, that you'd encourage those who are discouraged, and you'd hear the prayers of those who are praying. And God, I ask that now, for the next few moments, that you'd calm our hearts and our minds, help us to focus on you and your word, help us, God, to have the desire to take these things that we read in Scripture and apply them to our life. God, give us the wisdom and the boldness to say no to things that just distract us and to be committed each and every day to walking with you. And we ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now, since we understand, and I'm sure we all understand this, we only get one chance to live this life. That's all we get. You know the old joke, you, get, you don't get to go to the end of your life and pass go and collect $200 and start over. There is no such thing as reincarnation. We're not going to come back and live again like this. So we've got one chance. That's all you get. One chance. So I'm wondering, how are you doing with this one chance that we have? And in the next few minutes, I'd like to suggest a way or two, a way or two that God has laid on my heart of how I might be more faithful in doing the things that God wants me to do with this this extra time that I have. And I know a number of us have still got responsibilities, and there's a number of us who are still going to work every day and working from home and all those things. But for all of us who now, the the majority of us who have this extra time because we can't go anywhere, I just have a couple ideas on how together that we can make better use of this time and be more faithful and consistent in our walk with Jesus. A a week or so ago, I, I just happened to stumble across, well, no, I didn't just happen to stumble across it. There's no such thing as coincidence. This was the sovereignty of God. This article showed up and I read it. It was an article written not by Pastor Billy Graham, but written about Billy Graham from a person who had interviewed him a few years before he passed away. And in that article, Pastor Billy Graham talks about things that he wishes he had done differently. And just reading that kind of an introduction was a wake-up call for me. Here we are. Here, Here this is. This is Billy Graham. This is, and he's been known for years as he's the pastor of America. And when I read that little phrase, pastor of America, I thought, well, it's probably even beyond that. The pastor of North America, in some places he would be considered that he's the pastor of the world. He traveled everywhere. And here he is near the end of his life. And he's very open and he's very honest. And he's willing to share things that if he had his life to do over again, he would do things differently. And I thought, wow. Talk about a wonderful, honest, kind, gracious man of God who's willing to admit his mistakes. And I'm convinced he's willing to share those things with the rest of us so that we don't make the same mistakes in our life. And so I appreciated everything he said, and uh, 
I'm not at all suggesting, when I read a couple paragraphs from this article, I'm not at all suggesting that all of us should exactly copy everything that Billy Graham did. He, he would say the same thing. Don't, don't live your life like I live mine. But I think there's things we can learn from this article, things we can learn from his wisdom that we can apply to our life. So let me read just a couple paragraphs of this article. These are in his words, the words of Pastor Billy Graham. And here's what he said. Although I have much to be grateful for as I look back over my life, I also have many regrets. I have failed many times and I would do many things differently. For one thing, I would speak less and study more. And I would spend more time with my family. When I look back over the schedule I kept 30 or 40 years ago, I'm staggered by all the things we did and the engagements we kept. Sometimes we flitted from one part of the country to another, even from one continent to another, in the course of only a few days. Were all those engagements necessary? Was I as discerning as I might have been about which ones to take and which ones to turn down? I doubt it. Every day I was absent from my family is a day that's gone forever. Although much of that travel was necessary, some of it was not. I would also spend more time in spiritual nurture, seeking to grow closer to God so I could become more like Christ. And then he said this, I would spend more time in prayer, not just for myself, but for others. I would spend more time, this is Billy Graham telling this. I would spend more time in prayer, not just for myself, but for others. I would spend more time studying the Bible and meditating on its truth. Not only for sermon preparation, but to apply its message to my life. It's far too easy for someone in my position to read the Bible only with an eye on a future sermon. Overlooking the message God has for me through its pages. And lastly, I would give more attention to fellowshipping with other Christians who could teach me and encourage me and even rebuke me when necessary. About one thing I have absolutely no regrets, however, and that is my commitment many years ago to accept God's calling to serve him as an evangelist of the gospel of Christ. Billy Graham, this guy who's called the pastor of America, was willing to admit that if he could live his life over again, there's three things he would focus on. He would spend, number one, more time studying the Bible. He would spend more time praying. And he would spend more time fellowshipping with other Christians. Now, was Billy Graham perfect? No. Not even close. But let's be honest. I can only imagine he's a lot closer than I am. And I can only imagine he's a lot closer to being perfect than many of you. But he's not perfect. But let's just think about this for a minute. Of the three things Billy Graham said that he would do differently if he had his life to live over, he would study the Bible more, he would pray more, and he would be involved in fellowshipping with other Christians more than he was before. Now, let me ask you a question. Which of those three things is missing or perhaps most lacking in your life? Is it studying the Bible? 
Is it praying? Or is it fellowshipping with other Christians? Just think about that for a minute. Which one of those three is most lacking or most needed in your life? And now that you've had a minute to think about that, what are you going to do about it? See, there's, there's nothing wrong with admitting that we've made mistakes, but there is something wrong if we're not willing to change our behavior in order to not make those same mistakes again. What would you like to change right now? What, what new habits would you like to make or develop or, or what new spiritual disciplines would you like to begin now in this time when we, for God's sovereignty and for his purposes, many of us have this extra time right now. What are we going to do with it that will matter for eternity? What are we going to do in this time that's going to, soon this time's going to vaporize and be gone and I'm afraid we're going to go right back to life like normal and I'm telling you friends, I don't want to go back to whatever that was seven weeks ago. That was a rat race. That was like a squirrel in a cage in that little wheel and they just keep running around. I don't want to go back to that. I want to learn from these seven weeks. I want to make changes in my life that will impact the rest of my life. And I hope you want to make those changes as well. But what is it you're willing to change in your life right now that will help you, help you, don't worry about somebody else. What is it you want to change in your life right now that will help you to become a better follower, a more mature, fully devoted follower of Jesus? Now let me... Let me just share a little bit about me and what's going on in my life right now. <clears throat> Some of you know, most of you know here at Crosspoint, you're familiar with my situation, and you know that, um, now we need to think out loud, two weeks from tomorrow, I'm going to be teaching a class of 28 pastors and church leaders in Africa. Only because now of the coronavirus, I can't travel to Africa like I've done the last many years. So we're going to try and teach that class from here in Sioux Falls online. And by the way, while I'm telling you this story, um, I would greatly appreciate your prayers. The country where I go to in Africa, the location of this Bible school, does not have full-time electricity. They're still, they're still hoping and trusting God that two years from now they'll have electricity. But in the meantime, they rely on a generator and they rely on Solar power. And the last five times I've been there, if the sun shines today, that means we can have the lights on in the classrooms tomorrow. So just this whole idea of being able to teach the class online from my house 10,000 miles away to a country that doesn't have full-time electricity is, is mind-boggling to me. But I, I need you to pray. I need, I need you to ask that... the. The lights will stay on, the generators will work, and the internet won't shut down because if any of that happens, the class will never occur. But I've been there multiple times before, and every time I go, I speak and I teach with a different group of 20 to 30 pastors or pastors, guys who are training to be pastors. So this is the first time. But they've asked me to teach the same class every time. And it's the class, it's called the Pastoral Epistles. 
uh, for those of you who are familiar or whether you're not familiar, the pastoral epistles are 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and the book of Titus. And so over the course of five years, and I've taught that class in other places around the world, um, I get to the point where I feel like I sort of, kind of, have a good grasp on what Paul is saying in those three books. Um, But every time I study and I prepare, uh, like I'm starting over every time, and I go over the notes I had, and now I've already done all that for this time. But a month ago, a month ago, I just felt uh, the word convicted might be the right word. I felt convicted like, okay, now the class is ready and all the materials I've sent to Africa and they're going to distribute them in class. But I felt like God was asking me to do something with my time. Just to prepare my mind and my heart for this class that's going to begin in two weeks. And so I made a commitment to myself and I made a commitment to God that I was going to read the 13 chapters of the epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, 13 chapters. I committed myself to reading all 13 chapters 35 days in a row. I've never made a commitment like that before. I, I've always had this idea in the back of my mind. Years ago, Sharon and I were at a Bible conference, and the speaker that week confessed to us that he, of course, had been invited to be the week-long speaker months before, and his topic was the Gospel of John. And I still remember, I can still remember the conference center where we were sitting when he told this story. And before he would agree to teach the Gospel of John, he made a personal commitment to God that he would read the entire Gospel 50 times before he would say yes or no. And I'm not at all comparing myself to him in any way, shape, or form, but I, I had... I just felt like the Lord had laid this on my heart. If I'm going to teach this again, the same class that I've taught a dozen times probably somewhere around the world, but at this time it's going to be different because I've got this time that I want to use. So every day for the last three weeks, and I've got two weeks to go, I've read all 13 chapters, and I need to tell you that has changed, changed my heart. It's given me new ideas. It's, it's too late right now to change the class that I'm going to start teaching in two weeks because they've already got all those materials. But I can promise you, I'm taking notes right now and I'm going to change the class going forward. Reading the pastoral epistles with that commitment, and I'm not doing because I want credit for this, I'm doing it because I, I want to be a more mature, reliable, trustworthy follower of Jesus. And he's given me this opportunity and he's given me this extra time right now and I don't want to waste it. But I'm learning things in these three little books. Even though I've read through there many times, I'm now, when I read the same thing day after day after day, God is speaking to me. And it's, it's just incredible. So I'm, I'm already anxious to be done with this class so that I can start making notes for the next class. But I'd appreciate your prayers. The second thing I've decided that I want to do with this extra time The second thing I've decided is when, when life gets back to normal, I don't want to do this now. I want, I'm going to wait until we get back to that new normal, and I hope it's not a crazy normal. I want to begin leading a men's Bible study. Um, I just have, I've done that for years, and I've never been able to do it here in Sioux Falls. 
but I used to have a heart for sitting down with guys once a week, opening God's Word over a cup of coffee in a morning. It's going to be a morning study. I'm not a night guy anymore. But I, I just believe, I, I'm convinced that there are guys here in this part of Sioux Falls who would be encouraged by being in a weekly Bible study where we just come and we, we don't have a textbook, we don't have a study guide, we don't have anything. We just have, we just have the Bible and Jesus and that's all we have. And so a month from now or whenever now is, when things get back to sort of kind of normal, I'm going to start making that available. And, and uh, I don't want to do it just for me, but I think if I do it, it will be a discipline for me as well, and it will help me grow closer to Jesus. But I believe that these men who decide to commit themselves to reading the Bible every week and to studying together, we're going to come and we're going to, it's like iron sharpening iron. And it's not just for Crosspoint guys. Crosspoint guys would be welcome, but it's for all guys that live in this, this part of Sioux Falls who don't need to go crazy about how far it is to get to where we're going to meet. So I want you guys to be committed to becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. I only have one life, and I don't want to waste it. Now think about this as we close, these three things that Billy Graham said he wished he had done more of. He wished... He had more time studying the Bible. He wished he spent more time praying. And he wished that he had more time fellowshipping with other Christians. Now, you've already answered the question, or if you haven't answered it, I want you to answer it today. I want you to answer that question. Which one of those things is most missing or most lacking in your life? And what are you going to do about it? I want to encourage all of you. I love you guys, men and women. I love you all, Crosspoint people and whoever else is out there watching us at the moment. I love you, and I, I know that you love Jesus, and I really have a heart. I want you to fall in love with Jesus over and over again and have that desire, that burning in your heart that you want to be more mature with your walk with Christ than you are right now. So I want to encourage you, as we bring this to a close, to make not just good use of your time, but make the best use of your time in order to become that kind of follower of Jesus. Let's close in prayer. Well, dear Heavenly Father, as we continue to walk through this, um, I'm not even sure what words I've used in the past, but as we walk through this, this battle, this invisible enemy that we're fighting with the virus, Lord, we remind ourselves that there's also this invisible enemy called Satan who wants to destroy our lives and he wants to distract us from doing good things and he certainly wants to distract us from doing things that matter for eternity. God, I ask that you would continue to bind Satan from our church, bind him from the lives of the people who make up the church. We ask, Lord, that you would give each of us here at Crosspoint the desire to walk with you, that we'd be quick to repent of our sin and quick and eager to mature in our faith. So Lord, even though we're in the midst of this battle with the coronavirus, as we've prayed every week, we continue to pray that you would give wisdom to President Trump and wisdom to Governor Noam, 
and wisdom to Mayor Tenhaken. Lord, they have big decisions to make. They've, I'm sure the, the responsibility they feel for the lives of the people that they're overseeing is incredible. So we ask that you would give them wisdom in making those decisions and help us, Lord, as people who claim to love Jesus, help us to be quick to submit to their authority over us. Uh, we pray for people everywhere, Lord, who are struggling with this virus, for people who have loved ones in hospitals right now, for people who have lost loved ones. We ask, Lord, that you'd be close to them, that they could sense your presence, that you'd hear their prayers, the prayers of the people who are sick, but the prayers of the people who are family members and close friends as well. We ask also, God, that you would continue to protect those men and women who are out there on the front lines of doing battle with this disease. We pray for doctors and nurses and people who work in clinics and people who drive ambulances and we pray for policemen and firemen and people who have to go to work. There's, there's no, you can't stay home. There's no calling in sick. Lord, we ask that you would protect them and keep them from harm. We ask, Lord, that you would protect them and care for them even if they have little or no time for you. Because, God, we know that you're a God who loves and cares. And, God, we ask that even in the midst of all this difficult work that these people are doing, that they could be drawn closer to you. That they would come to understand what we already know. That you really are a God who loves us and cares for us. That you're a God in absolute control of everything that happens. So we ask, Lord, as a church, you'd help us to identify ways that we can encourage the people around us, both physically and spiritually. We ask, God, as we close, that you'd help us to make good use of our time by eliminating things that distract us and instead filling our lives with things that matter for eternity. We ask, Lord, that you'd continue to walk with us and care for us while we're separated as a church. Continue to hold us close as we anxiously await the privilege to come back together on Sunday morning. And we close this with this blessing. Let me read this from the book of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all angels, now and forevermore. Amen. On behalf of the Crosspoint family, we want to thank you for worshiping with us today, and we look forward to having you join us again next Sunday online at 1030 on Sunday morning. May God bless you and continue to care for you. Amen.